podcast. Hi, my name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And this is the podcast uh, recorded from our home here in Portland, Oregon, where we talk about a hopefully cool new movie every week as we talk about some uh, a new uh, uh, malted fermented beverage. A good beer. A good beer. Is that's what we're into? Um, this week, we saw what is currently the biggest movie of 2019. I know. We saw Glass. The third. Sort of trilogy? Oh, no. It's a confirmed trilogy. Oh, confirmed. Confirmed. Trilogy from M. Night Shyamalan uh, after 19 years after the first movie, Unbreakable. Yeah. And then two years ago was Split, which I've heard referred to as more of a sidequel. A, a sidequel instead of a true sequel. Well, I think it's kind of like a trilogy just has to have things linking them together. So, like, just think about the Cornetto trilogy mm-hmm. with Simon Pegg and um, Edgar Wright, you know? Yeah. Those three movies are not linked at all except for the fact that they have the same main characters and uh, they drink, they apparently eat a different Cornetto ice cream. Yeah. But those movies never uh, tried to, in any way, tried to suggest they're in the same universe. Uh, These movies do. Right. The only thing that links the movie split is one scene that happened after the credits. Right. So. And then he tied it all together with a bow. Sidequel. I don't think so. Because they talked about how M. Night Shyamalan actually came up mm-hmm. with the character of uh, Jason Wendell, Kevin Wendell Crumb. There mm-hmm. we go. I don't know where I came up with Jason. Uh, of Kevin Wendell Crumb while writing Unbreakable. Just couldn't figure out how to fit him into the script. Hmm. Convenient. Anyway, uh, before we get into glass, there'll be some interesting discussions about this movie. Um, Before we do, uh, we each have a different uh, beverage, but from the same brewery this week. I know. We've Um, uh, had things from uh, this brewery before, or I have anyway. Yes. Um, And so this time we're both drinking something from Von Ebert Brewing. So why don't you tell us a little bit short history of Von Ebert? Now, we've talked about Von Ebert once before. Uh, they were known as Fatheads Brewing, which uh, is kind of a franchise of an East Coast brewery. It was the only location they had out here out west. Uh, but a year or so ago, uh, they separated ties. The people running uh, the Fathead location here in Portland severed ties with Fathead and relaunched under their own name and everything but in the same location in the Pearl District and that's called the Von Ebert Brewing. Right. And we went there this weekend and they just had a slew a slew of IPAs. They did. Oh, they were good. On tap. And we came, and we brought a couple of them home. I having one of them. I am having the um where did it go? I don't know. Oh, the volatile substance. Yes. The Volatile Substance IPA, 6.7% alcohol by volume, made with mosaic and Simcoe hops. Everything that we sampled there was pretty good. I think this was my favorite one, though. Mm-hmm. It smells nice and piney is the word that they typically use to describe a good IPA that's a little bitter. And it tastes, but yet tastes pretty refreshing. It doesn't taste too sweet. 
Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, 65 IBUs, so not crazy, but uh, also not like a hazy IPA where there's nothing yeah. to it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what I am having from uh, Von Ebert Brewing. Uh, Some volatile substance. Volatile substance. Um, well, I, um, given what we are going to be talking about, the movie we are going to be talking about, I uh-huh. found this to be totally appropriate. Um, I am drinking Let Them Drink Chaos. Okay. Spelled with a K. As you do. Versus C-H. Yeah. That's uh, anyway, so Let Them Drink Chaos is also an IPA. Um, it has Simcoe, Citra, and Equinot hops. I've never heard of those before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty citrusy as well, pretty light. Um, but I really appreciate the, the kind of the hoppiness. It's not too bitter at the end, but it's got that nice little bite uh-huh. to it. Um, I really like their description of this beer. Uh, when you go to like ratebeer.com. Okay. Describe it, describes it as a, a medium bodied IPA yielding a complex nose of pine, citrus, mm. and berries that finishes off. Son of a. Once and, again, and... our house is still haunted. Uh, at least the fire, uh, the smoke alarms are. Yes. Uh, it's amazing that it happens whenever we try to record this. In the last couple of weeks, that is true. Yeah. Um, and it ruined my wonderful conclusion to the description of let there be chaos or let them drink chaos. Yeah. So I have to finish this again. Okay. They call this a medium-bodied IPA, yielding a complex nose of pine, citrus, and berries that finishes with a hint of fresh rain. Rain, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes, right? I mean, I feel so, like you should try very, this. Sounds very poetic. And see, do you taste the hint of fresh rain? Let's see. He's trying it right now. No. You don't? No. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, it's it's good. I don't know where they get the fresh rain thing, but that's very pretty phrasing on their part. I know. Well, and I don't even know if it's their description. You're right. You said you got it off of. Um. Yeah, I got this beer. one off of uh, the ratebeer.com. Mm-hmm. Um. And but when you go to like the actual von Ebert website, they say that this is uh this IPA has Strata, Simcoe, and Citra hops, mm. and it has melon. Yeah. In it, um, which I don't actually taste, which I prefer. Um, this one also says, um, uh, when you go to Von Ebert, it says it's got 80 IBUs, but between rate my beer or ratebeer.com and, uh, untapped, it's anywhere from 60 to 70 to 80. So who knows? I'm going to go with the brewers and say it's 80. Um, but okay. yeah. So anyway, it's a good beer. Uh, Von Ebert Brewing, let them drink chaos. Okay. And with that... Uh, we uh, get into this week's movie, Glass. Glass. So, here's the thing. <laughs> this movie, um, I was looking forward to seeing it because I'd hear widely, diver- wildly divergent things critically. I think um, that's also like M. Night Shyamalan movies, though. Well, I mean, normally, I mean... I don't know. I guess Split was pretty well received. Before that, 
he wasn't doing great. No. Uh, he'd been in kind of in director's jail, as they like to say. <laughs> director's jail. But I found uh, people saying that they really enjoyed where this movie went. And I saw some other things that kind of, you know, weren't so kind. Currently sits at 36% what? on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, it does not deserve 36%. I'm I, sorry. I, I would agree with that. Though There are things that I don't care for, uh, but I would say 36% is a little... It's is, not that, that bad. That's a bit unfair. That's, I, yeah. would, I would feel. So, but yeah, I, I mean, after we saw it, uh, there was a, there was Shyamalan twists, of as course. all his movies tend to do. So taking all that in, into account... Did you like this movie? I did like this movie. Okay. I did. I thought it um, it reminded me in many ways of what I liked so much about Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of um, a superhero in real life. Right. And just the struggle you might have with kind of coming to terms with that. Like, is that real? Is that not real? What? what how might that actually play out? In real life versus, you know, tights and a cape. So, um, I mean, of course, there are things that weren't necessarily my favorite. And, of course, we'll talk about the, you Mm -hmm. know, the things maybe we didn't like. Mm -hmm. But overall, I liked this movie. My uh, thoughts about this movie are, um, you know, figure out the running time. Go watch it. And once you're about three quarters of the way through it, about when uh, there's a scene where Samuel Jackson and James McAvoy's characters are breaking out of a place, get up and leave. Oh, come on. On your way home, imagine what, just come up with your own ending. Imagine what your own wild twist ending is. It's probably better. Up until that point, though, it's pretty good. Yeah, I just totally disagree with you. I did not like the ending. Yes, I get that from your description here, but I think you're wrong. I am not. You are. Okay, so we've each come up with three things, though, that we uh, liked about the movie, our favorite bits. We haven't shared them with each other prior to now. We have not. Uh, my first thing, I'm just assuming we're share- We're gonna is going to be a shared thing, because I can't imagine... <laughs> A list of favorite things about this movie, not including uh, one, James, Julius McAvoy. Middle name, probably not Julius. I made that up. Uh, But his performance in this is the highlight, I feel. I would agree with that. Um, I think he's supposed to have 23 personalities. I think I saw that printed a couple different places. Right. The official number. Um, Shyamalan, on IMDb, it says, there's a quote from him saying that the, like, first like rough cut of the movie was like three hours long right and when they cut it down there was three out of the 23 personalities that they had to leave out right i don't remember seeing 20 but sure um and but uh the favorite i'll just mention the favorite has to be hedwig right the oh i know i love the him. personality hedwig which is a nine-year-old child mm-hmm and just kind of made me think about it because at some point in the movie, you know, it is he is confronted by uh, Mr. Glass, the Hedwig personality. You know, you're nine years old. You're nine years old forever. Right. And Hedwig, as somehow ha- is self-aware enough 
that he knows this. He agrees. He goes, yes, that is the case. So it just kind of bent my mind a little bit. You know, I was an adult man, but, you know, playing the part of a nine-year-old. The nine-year-old, which knows I'm nine forever, doesn't that, you know, lend some sort of maturity to the to that character that's beyond nine, but yet he's still acting like a child? But it, it's it, it just, I'm just... Well, Dr. Staples tells him that earlier in the movie. Like, this is an mm-hmm. echo from when um, Dr. Ellie Staples says, so, you know, like, is talking to Hedwig and says, you're nine. And Hedwig is, says, yes. And he goes, so have you always been nine? Right. And Hedwig kind of pauses and thinks about it and goes, and she and she comments on that, like how, and it, with a very more like disapproving tone of, you know, what must that be like to only ever get to be nine? Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, and that's, the, that's a moment for Hedwig to pause and realize, um, because she, she talk, um, says something to the effect of him not being able to grow up, um, and, or not being allowed to grow up, right? you know? And so when, um, you know, Elijah Glass brings it up. I think that's why Hedwig is already self-aware. Like, I get to be nine. Yes, right. I have to be nine. But, but mi- yeah, my, but the point is, like, the performance, uh-huh. you know, is that he's able to, you know, he could have easily just been, like, you know, shut his mind off, you know, and just, you know, well, I'm a nine-year-old, now I'm just going to go, you know, say something stupid. Right. You know, but no, he has the nine-year-old take that in. Mm-hmm. And so that's something he also has to think about. Right. You know, and, uh, but it's just, you know, he, the, he's in it a lot. McAvoy is in it a lot, which is really good because mm-hmm. I feel the movie is at its brightest and most interesting when he's on the screen. Right. Uh, Samuel Jackson, very complimentary. There's a quote I found also on IMDb where Sam Jackson said, uh, quote, as good as I like to think I am or what I do or how I do it, Watching someone transform characters in front of your eyes and have an argument with four different people is pretty amazing. I feel like there was probably some fuckings in there, like, you know, as good as I like to think I fucking am or what I do or how I do it, you know, watch it, have an argument with four different people is pretty fucking amazing. Like, uh, I just think at this point, those are implied. I know. It's just like that in my head, that's what you hear mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson saying. Yeah. But, the, but yeah, so uh, my... The first favorite thing is has got to be uh, McAvoy and his, you know, just, I'm sure he was just, you know, I mean, it wasn't just him going crazy on the screen. It was clearly defined different voices, the same voice each time for each one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and apparently like in his cell, when they have him captured in the mental hospital, there's like a, a shelf that I didn't see that apparently just has like a line of toothbrushes indicating right. that each of his personalities had their own toothbrush. Which yeah. Is, which is funny. There are several sitting on the shelf and then there were more in like a cup. You yeah. You know how many people? So mm-hmm. yeah, I saw that and I, it took me a moment and I was like, oh, those are for his different personalities. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, Hedwig is great. Um, the thing I liked most about that scene with Mr. Glass, where he talks about, talks to Hedwig and says, Mm -hmm. so you're nine years old forever. Um, given the, it, it's a great counterpart to the, the fact that Hedwig has just had this conversation with Dr. Staples where she implies, oh, you never get to grow up. You have to always be nine. Right. Whereas, um, 
Elijah Glass says, you get to be nine and you get to see the world through a nine-year-old's eyes forever. Right. And really opens that up as like, what an exciting idea. And, you know, to kind of, again, reframe how Hedwig has to, is rationalizing, you know, Mm -hmm. his personality being nine all the time. Um, I love the scene where McAvoy is Hedwig and he's dancing down the street and David Dunn runs into him where he's like randomly like just dancing with his headphones and then he like kicks the, uh, the metal gate. Yeah. And then is kind of like startled by it. Mm -hmm. Almost like he's not expecting it to, you know, push back. And I just thought, um, it was a really good portrayal of a nine year old. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really liked the point where there's a couple of scenes that are that are really fun. And one of them is when he first gets thrown into his cell. Um, he's they don't they don't clarify which personality is, but they think it might be either Hedwig or Luke. Um, and that he's he's kind of looking around and he sees the camera and he's super suspicious. And then he kind of edges out of the view of the camera. And then you just see his hand come over and he flips off the camera. Right. And it's just like this ridiculous scene that's super funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you love it. It's, right. It's really funny. Um, and then the scene where he's running at his cell door and as he gets close enough, the lights flash and you get a new personality coming out every time. Right. Um, I also thought it was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. What an interesting idea. Um, so we, we never saw Split. No. Um, I'm not sure I really have a desire to see Split. Right. But I kind of feel like I would enjoy watching it just to watch, um, McAvoy's character Mm -hmm. play, um, the different personalities. Although in Split, he only ever showed nine personalities. I saw that too, yeah. And then in this one, he shows 20. So go James McAvoy. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but anyway, that's uh, that's my first thing. Mine as well. Okay. So, all right. That's right. Yeah. So my second one then. We're back to your second one. Okay. My well, this movie has like some i. So there's a few ideas that this movie had that I liked. Mm-hmm. None of them really played out very far. Uh, what I'm going to say for my second one is I like the idea of David Dunn which is uh, Bruce Willis's character, and his son Joseph, played by Spencer Treat Clark, working together as like a vigilante team, mm-hmm. you know, out of their uh, security firm. firm or wherever, the, the employer, their, their business that they started, a security business that they started. I think it's great that they got the same actor uh, who played Bruce Willis's son in Unbreakable, you know, 19 years later. Right, but oh my goodness. Um... <laughs> um well, I mean, that sounds like forever ago. It but, does. And, uh, it's, and it's weird uh, that Willis, who was the lead in Unbreakable, you know, really doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. You mm-hmm. really think, and like a retrospect, you you see him early on, and but really, um, but um, this is a rare instance I feel in his career, in those later years of Bruce's career, where he seems to be engaged. And not just cashing a paycheck. Um, he has got a rep lately of, of do, if he's doing a movie with a director he does not respect, just essentially doing what he wants. Right. That is well known. 
Uh, but after you know the sixth sense and Unbreakable, he clearly respects M Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. and clearly gives a damn in this movie, uh, which is great. Uh, they have great chemistry together. Yeah. Uh, the little bit you see of them kind of working together as a team that they something they've clearly been doing for a while is pretty fun. I would have liked, I think, um, just the movie being them trying to track down the beast. That would have been cool. That yeah. would have been fun and neat. I feel. Um, with me, but and you have Mr. Glass maybe trying to pulling the strings somehow from from afar. From afar, I don't know, but yeah, just that that their chemistry, the father son, you know, tandem, them working together. Um, even though it was very short lived in the movie, I really liked them and that idea. Uh, so yeah, that's my second favorite thing. Okay, um, I also thought that was was pretty cool, um, and. Th- that links to my second one. Um, I liked that each of our, like, kind of superheroes or um, supervillains yeah. um, has a person who's totally in their corner. You know, so they each have somebody, especially once they get okay, committed, so going, yeah. where, um, who comes, visits them, who believes in them, mm-hmm. who, who um, as Dr., you know, Staple is trying to... Um, dismantle their belief in themselves as superpowered people. Right. They have almost an unwavering belief. So you know, David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis, has his son Joseph. Yeah. Um, Kevin Wendell Crumb, or you know, uh, the Beast, or right. Um, essentially, I guess they collectively call him the, the Horde. H- right, the Horde. <laughs> um, has Casey Cook. Right. The, um, who, the survivor. The one survivor from Split, right? Right. Um, and I just thought it was interesting. Casey Cook has two Cs. It's an alliterative name. Mm-hmm. Budding superheroine, maybe. Oh. Um, and then Elijah has his mother. Mom, yeah. um, and I was wrong. I keep calling him Elijah Glass, but it's really Elijah Price. Right. Um, Glass was the name he gave himself. Right. Mr. Yeah. Glass. They call me Mr. Glass. First name Mr. Last name Glass. Yeah, that was a that was a bad line. That was really corny. Um, but I really, really thought it was cool that they each had their person who um is, you know, Dr. Staple tries to force all of them to question mm-hmm. their belief in the, you know, in whoever the, their person is. Um, just like she's trying to, you know, dismantle each of their belief in themselves, you know. Right. Um, and yet, they, you know, Joseph, Casey, Mrs. Price, all, you know, have they just have faith in in their father, their I don't know captor. I guess you might call that what is it Munchausen sin- syndrome. I'm <laughs> not Stockholm sure. Syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. That's right. Right. Munchausen is something quite. Different. Oh, that's right. That's where like you, <laughs> you want to make people sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's when you want people to be sick. Thank you. Uh, Stockholm syndrome. Um, and then Mrs. Price just loves her son and believes in her son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just thought that was. Um, it was an interesting point to the movie you know that it's not just about um being kind of like a super powered person um and believing in yourself right but it's the people who also believe in you that kind of tether you to that identity 
you know? Mm-hmm. And if you think about the comics, there's always one person who knows their secret identity that both kind of tethers them to the real world, but always like believes in them. You mm-hmm. can do it. So. Okay. All right. That's interesting because that I thought you were going to bring up my third thing while you were talking there. Uh-oh. I think we might have the same third thing. No, not really. Mine is very specific. Um, I've already mentioned about how much I do not care for the ending of this movie, except for one moment that involves um, Casey, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I like the, I don't even know what the right word is, uh, symbolism, inversion maybe. So when Kevin becomes the beast, right, his, the killing alter ego mm-hmm. of the horde, as we watched a video uh, that about all we needed to know before we watched this movie, Correct. because we didn't watch Split, right? And um, <laughs> and it appears that he uh, ki- he kills uh, people or at least one person in Split by ra- essentially wrapping his arms around them and crushing them to right. death. It appears to be his finishing move, right? He tries to do it to Bruce Willis. He does it to like a guard or something. Um, so the Beast, this violent personality, this violent creature wraps his arms around people and uses them to kill. And at the end of, in that final kind of fight sequence that takes place in the parking lot of the mental hospital, it's Casey who comes to him and it's her putting her arms around, around Kevin mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a show of, you know, affection and right. understanding that seems that maybe cures him, maybe gives him some sort of control. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about how, when each personality comes forward, it's there in the light. Right. You know, but Kevin, the true, the supposed true personality, the true right. person that's underneath it all, doesn't want the light. He's always running from it. But her putting her arms around him is what brings him forward. And maybe that's an answer that could be had. And I would have maybe liked to see how that scene played out. But uh, but that's when the twist happens. And, right. And then, you know. And that is sassy. Yeah. The birthday great day. The birthday podcast dog. That's right. Being making all the noise she can. Right. She's but, feeling especially needy today on her birthday. Yeah, but but I just like that bit of um, kind of inversion of you know the, the killer, the way he uses his arms, and mm-hmm. then this this woman who he tried to kill, mm-hmm. and before you know, but she puts her arms around him without fear, and right. that's what maybe could have saved this man right until the until the the real craziness started right till we kind of totally went off the rails yeah 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 um so that's my third thing okay uh so my third thing is um so there were kind of there were two twists in this movie at the end yeah one i liked okay and one i kind of didn't the one that I liked is, um, well, there are three twists. One I like and two I don't. Um, but the one that I like is, so uh, Elijah Price is lying on the ground. Um, he's dying. Uh-huh. He's been uh, punched incredibly hard by the beast. Right. Um, and his mom is over there and she's, you know, talking to him and she's like, you know, this, I'm sorry, it's ending this way. Uh-huh. And he says, this isn't an ending. It's an origin mm-hmm. story. And I remember thinking, okay, it, as in all 
uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies. I've missed something. Right. <laughs> Where's the twist? Um, but the but the origin story isn't his. Um, it isn't even David Dunn's, which was my uh, original thought. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. David is going to fully embrace and go public with him being a hero. Right. But it's not. He His character dies as well. Yeah. Um, it, his origin story is that um, to let the world know mm. that there are people with abilities. There are superheroes and supervillains. Yeah. That it's not an accident. Right. Right. Because that's kind of what he talks about is unbreakable, is that he has been creating his his arch nemesis you know he's the he's mr glass he breaks at everything he's mm-hmm. looking for his opposite the one who who's right. unbreakable right um so which is the one of the ideas i really loved in the movie unbreakable uh-huh. that i am such a fragile person there has to be my opposite number right yeah i love that because there are people like elijah glass in the world that are have due diseases that make them very not necessarily brittle like he is, but very fragile to their environment. Right. And the idea that maybe there is an opposite of that person is mm-hmm. interesting. Right. And so, um, you know, it kind of made me reflect on the idea, like, what if Elijah's just disappointed that um, rather that this didn't become an origin story of creating him as an arch villain and, and a superhero mm-hmm. that, you know, David has chosen to continue to re- remain pretty anonymous. Um, and so I thought, what an interesting idea that he, he, his whole plan revolves around sacrificing all three of them, right? He's not, he's not like sacrificing himself. They're all going to go down. Um, and his whole goal is simply to, um, expose their, their abilities to the world, Mm -hmm. specifically that of the beast and of David. That's it. You know, and um, and I like that. I like that he has outsmarted um, Ellie Staple. Um, I I also admire the idea that his goal isn't necessarily even to survive the encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, which is very self-sacrificing for a villain. If you think about it, yeah, villains always are ready to let somebody else die. For their cause. <laughs> For their cause. Right. Um, and then it also is kind of cool that at the, you know, at the end where this starts to get spread, you know, that video goes viral. It's got Kevin, uh, or Joseph, Casey, and Mrs. Price all sitting in a, in, train, station? In a train terminal. Bus station, something like that. Right, yeah. just watching the, their, like, the legacy of their people. Of, mm-hmm. you know, go hit the world. And that's kind of cool. I thought that was an interesting okay. twist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shyamalan's twists go typically one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it when his movies have two, because typically I like one and not the other. Right. Um, and this one has three, and this is the one I really like. Okay. Interesting. Um, all right. Do we want to do any honorable mentions? Um, sure. Okay. Um, so, Ellie Staple. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Right? Who, she's Wonderful good. actress. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, oh man, I did not like her. 
in this movie. Weren't supposed to. Right, but I didn't know that until the end. Uh, <laughs> and also, apparently, the part originally written for a man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but I just think she 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 was good yeah. at being um, on the surface helpful and saying all the things that a you know a trained psychiatrist is supposed to be saying. Right. And yet, I didn't. I was like, I do not like her. I don't know why I don't like her, but I don't. Um, and then you come to the end and you're like, aha, because she's the, the villain. real villain. She's the real villain in this mm-hmm. story. Um, but Sarah Paulson is very talented. Yeah. Um, I like it. I do like the point um, as she is having these perfectly reasonable conversations um, first with Joseph when he comes and says, like, I need to see my dad. And he's telling these crazy lies f- for whatever reason. Right. Um, and then Casey Cook comes and she's like, I want to see him. And Sarah Paulson, you know, as Ellie looks at her, goes, well, no, you can't see him. And uh-huh. Casey's like, why? And Ellie looks at her and goes, well, uh, be, because like she's you can tell that this is a moment that has genuinely perplexed her and it's brilliant it's a brilliant moment for Sarah Paulson as an actress where right. you can just see all of this stuff written over her um, face yeah you know and it's it's what's not said right or how everything is said that tells you how she really feels which is I'm sorry this this person kidnapped you. Why do you want to go see him? Like, right. But then, then doesn't she eventually let her? Oh, yeah, him? she does. She totally does. It reminded because me she... of the new Halloween movie where there's just all sorts of irresponsible mental health practicing going on. <laughs> right. Um, uh, I had an idea for an honorable mention I was going to say. Um, oh, I liked... Oh. So uh, another part at the end I did like, there is a a bit of a fight scene between David and the Beast. And I liked, I wish they had done it more. There was some some cool practical effects to show off their strengths. They're like kind of throwing each other against a van. And David punches the, you know, tries to punch and misses. And and you can see his fist go through the door of the van and leave, you know, dent marks. Right. Well into the inside, which is pretty fun. I mean, they didn't go crazy. You know, like uh, like you know, Marvel CGI stuff, which is smart. I mean, I'm sure they didn't have the budget to do it anyway, but it's not what this that would be out of place in a movie like this. So mm-hmm. I wish that they would have done more of that because a lot of the action stuff is almost always in the shadows or it's behind someone, right. you know, and you can't really tell what's happening. You know, I wish there would have been a little bit more clear cut. You know, you know, if you really once. They reveal once they show, they get past the you know maybe they're just crazy people and not really super powered. Like okay, yeah, they actually are super powered. You know, done a little bit. You get to more. watch David punch through a door, like a couple of times. Yeah, I mean that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I guess I I think just you know what happens after that left such a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, you know. I think the part that I liked about it though is that. That's the subtlety of of this movie about what's real, right? Mm-hmm. Is that um, 
a lot of people are strong. But are you punch through a steel, you know, a whatever, however inch steel door? door Well, the I'm talking about a cell room door. Right. Strong. Are you strong enough to? um, The scene I like is when the uh, SWAT team comes in and they come in from both sides, and one group is attacking the beast, and the other group is is attacking Mm -hmm. um, David. And they just kind of show their feet, and they've got like four guys pushing on David, and then you watch David just push them all back right and it's things like that where it, it you wonder you're constantly questioning like mm. oh well is it okay yeah no they're really strong and i think that it's that subtlety that lends itself to being quote unquote real right you know yeah the uh the, uh, the sarah paulson's when she confronts them about their "Quote unquote powers and how she tries to explain away to them. You don't. You don't really have superpowers. It can be explained away in this way, and you're just, you right. know, you're just mentally unwell. You know, I thought that was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's. I'll say that's an honorable mention thing. Yeah, that was a very good idea. Yeah. So, all right. I feel like I should go first with the things that we don't like because uh. you're well. Or you can go first, but I'm going to okay. cut you off after a little while because you're going uh-huh. to start waxing eloquent, um, and I know what what it's going to be. Well, so spoiler alert! Spoiler alert so- for the ending because yeah, there's a lot of twists. Um, I agree with you in part uh, with your third favorite thing about the whole the origin story and the revealing superpowered people to the world. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I just felt it was executed very poorly. Um, But that pales in comparison (laughs) to the reveal that Sarah Paulson is part of some secret secret society murder cult. They're not a murder cult. They murdered David Dunn. They did murder David Dunn. But they're not a murdered cult. We don't... They probably are. They've killed other super-powered people. They say that they only kill as a last resort. Okay. Their preference is to make you think you're crazy or lobotomize you. Well, that's the thing. Is that's another. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk? What is so in this movie? In this movie, they have a machine that apparently can take away your superpower. It doesn't take away your superpower. Yes, they tell Mister Glass because they make an appointment for to put him into this, have this procedure done. Uh huh. And they say you will still be you. You just won't have your ability anymore. She tells him that. That machine takes away his power. It doesn't lobotomize him. It doesn't make him. She's, it's very clear when she tells him that. But he doesn't have a power. Yes, he does. It's his mind. It's his... It's his... Um... How could he be him? He's, he is this brilliant mm-hmm. supervillain who is the you know architect of villainy across yeah. the world but, like but then she also says when at one of their weirdly public secret cult meetings that they right. have in public restaurants right because nobody would see that coming uh um she mentions you know we she does mention we only kill as a last resort or we use the machine refer i mean what else is that other than... I mean, it may, okay, fine. Maybe it isn't a take-your-powers-away machine. Maybe it is a lobotomizing machine. It That's not you, any better. It just makes you think you don't have your powers anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, and uh, Apparently, so, yeah. all it takes also mm-hmm. is three pieces of, of specifically etched glass. 
lobotomized. I guess. Because all you have to do is remove it. Super easy. Lobotomy, anti-lobotomy. So they reveal that there's this secret cult of people that all have a three-leaf clover tattoo on them somewhere. I'm going to start looking for this tattoo. And they have their meetings in public restaurants where everybody sits around and waits for whoever is not part of the cult to leave. So... Those meetings, I that imagine, is ridiculous. probably take forever to start. Because what do you do if somebody walks right back in? Like, right. everybody's gone I silent. I forgot my purse. You know what? I want to have one more beer. Come back in. And they're talking about whatever. It was Well, nobody just... does that. Nobody pays, gets up, leaves a restaurant or bar, right. and then pauses outside and goes, you know what? I want one more beer. I'm going to go back sh- in here. Nobody That's... does that. That's a more plausible real-life thing than what happened at the end of this movie. I don't think so. Nobody does that. You go to another bar if you've decided you want another drink. I am more perplexed by the fact that a new person couldn't come walking by yeah, and be like, yeah. I want to go in right. there. Or, yeah, it's... And, and apparently the bar staff was in on it, too. Or, I mean, was the entire... It just There's a lot of logic issues with that, because they do that twice, where they show them in two different restaurants clearly waiting for people not in the murder cult to get up and leave their tables so they can so sarah paulson can get up and deliver a speech right and it's just like that's ridiculous um in this movie that's supposed to be so grounded um just the i hated that they killed all three of the guys you know uh mcavoy uh mr glass and and David. david dunn especially um david dunn was just i mean they drown him. They drown him. And that's that's that goes He's super strong. Yeah, he can push himself up out of a puddle? No, cuz water is his weakness. I I don't like that either. I mean, that goes back to unbreakable. The whole idea that water was his weakness. Uh, you know, learn how to swim. I mean, everybody has a weakness. He can All superheroes. And It couldn't be something unrealistic like Krypton, Kryptonian or it Krypton. It could be It could be something. Kryptonite. Kryptonite. I don't know. It just seemed very underwhelming that if, I mean, on the surface, the idea that we're going to end this movie with all three of these guys that are on the poster dead isn't, on the surface sounds like that's a big swing. That's a, no one's going to see that coming. And then when you see them die. But you don't. And you don't. But you only see in the way they die. I was like, well, that's pretty goddamn underwhelming. I mean, they dr- drowning them in a puddle. I did not like that. That seemed very dumb to me. I find drowning him in a puddle is dumb. Some normal man was able to dunk his head repeatedly enough in a two-inch puddle to drown him. I I had trouble with that. (laughs) And that that, that chose that's how the way he was going to go out. Um, I didn't care for the origin story line. I was like, oh, well, his son's going to have a power. Or what's-her-name's going to have a power. And then that didn't end up happening, but it was because people are going to see some online videos of a guy pushing over a car and some other guys rustling around a van. If this is a realistic, grounded movie, you have to... I mean, all I could think of when I was watching that last scene and they were watching all these people in a train station look at those videos was... And then the next scene after the end credits, everybody goes, well, that's fake. (laughs) No one would believe it. That's not true. Yes, it is. The people out there who also have abilities are going to say, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I can do things. And it's going to be the introduction 
two superhero worlds. Didn't like it. I know you didn't. Poorly executed. I it was just I can't imagine because part of the world part of, it wasn't just it was exposing the world that these people existed, but right. but in 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 the real world in which this is supposed to exist, I can't imagine that many people would actually believe that those videos were real. Enough would. If it's not about everybody believing it, I don't uh-huh. think it was about the people who had abilities believing it. That's oh. what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really not about everybody in the world being like, oh my gosh, there are superheroes. Are you a superhero? It was about the people who have abilities seeing that video, those videos, and being mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not alone. There are other people out there. Well, like not anymore. Me. You can watch the three of them murdered. They don't watch them die. Oh my goodness. <sighs> All so, right. Yeah, I yeah. The ending sucks. <laughs> According to you, I didn't mind it as as well, or as as much. I thought that that was actually a very that was the clever turn that I kind of appreciated. Um, I did not like the secret society. Um, yeah, that, that was like the worst. convinces them that they're crazy. You know, like, mm, okay. And if you can't convince them that you're crazy, uh, that they're crazy, then you go ahead and kill them or you lobotomize them. Like, ah. And what was with the three-day timeline? Because she says very clearly once they catch them or put them in that mental health facility. she only has three I only get three days. I don't know. Well, why? And that's, and there's no way. And there's no way that's enough time to convince someone of what they're trying to convince them of. Well, it's high profile, and half of them kind of thought they were crazy anyway. One of them one recognizes two thirds of them. One of them knows that there are twenty three of them living right. in a body. The, it's not going to be person. that hard to convince some of them that they're crazy, right? That's not going to be a hard thing to convince some of those personalities. Well, I'm not and counting. Even, the, no, that's one person i'm not counting the personalities the three men right. one third of them is clearly insane Are and you... knows he is but it's not that they're insane it's whether or not he has powers and david dunn always is like i mean he was it barely con- he was barely convinced that he had powers in the first place it would not take him that much to tip him back over into no M- more than three days oh, i can no. i had trouble buying that and plus what's with the skeleton crew running this what would have to be a maximum security facility to put these guys in, right? Right. And you only saw like two orderlies the entire time. Right, because at least one of them had to die. They both died. I know that, but at least one of them yeah. had to die. Um, the other one is always optional. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, so I didn't like the superhero, the secret society that kills superheroes. Um, I also just was, I was disappointed because it was so obvious that Kevin's dad was on the same train. Yeah, that was as yeah. David, and killed in that. Yeah, we I called mean, that early on. That was that was so glaring, mm-hmm. and and maybe I mean in typical Shyamalan way, maybe that's that was his red herring. Like, of course you're all gonna know this. Wink, wink, wink. Right. Here's the big reveal. Wink, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And so that then he could give you the other reveals. Right. Right? So maybe, but I just felt like, just really, 
That's got to be the big secret. And that's always the thing. That's always the thing that gets somebody to turn on somebody else. Right. You killed my parent. Mm-hmm. Right? Usually it's the mother. This this had the interesting twist in that this time the mother was the psychopath that abused the child and the father was the sane one. And so that's his greatest like pain is right. that you killed my dad. Right. right? But like that's always it. And I, I mean, I promise, I mean, mom and dad, if you if you listen to this podcast, I, mm-hmm. I promise, I guess I will go ahead and go crazy and turn on the person that I thought I could trust, but is actually the person who is responsible for your death. Uh, but it's a little predictable. Just got to say. Yeah. Also, um, so there's a few scenes that take place in comic book stores, which I'm I'm happy with. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with I'm happy with all the comic book homages, you know, uh, the nods to DC and Marvel in particular. Uh, you know, the one tower that they were gonna maybe have the big final showdown at was called the a marvel of architecture, right? And it was in Washington DC. Um, but uh, there are conversations that take place in those comic book stores that don't happen in the real world. Um, of course not. M. Night Shyamalan has cited a bunch of different You're comics hilarious. that he's read that gave him like kind of inspiration for this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But he clearly ordered those online. He hasn't actually spent time in a comic book shop. I mean, when, when Casey goes in to buy some comics and asks the guy behind the counter. Oh, so, but I think she, she asked him, what was the first superhero or something really kind of general a question about kind of comic book history mm-hmm. and this guy just enormous well let me tell you and it was just really corn fed you know and then it was all about action comics number one and i don't know it was really like that's nobody in the real world talks like that even the guy behind the counter at a comic book shop are you saying that also guy- she could have googled that the guys behind a comic book shop aren't instantly willing and able to share their comic book geekery uh, the moment somebody asks oh, about it. They can, but right. they just speak like human beings do, not like the people in this movie. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that there have been moments where I have asked you what mm-hmm. I thought was an innocent comic book question. Right. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, yes, baby, I love you, but... Okay, that was ten. That was literally nine and a half minutes more than what I needed. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just give me all. The, I mean, right? You got to give me all the information. All the information. I don't know what you're, what's relevant. And and I'm just saying that. But, uh, that you, you... Okay, but just still the uh, <laughs> the scenes in the comic book shops are rough, <laughs> considering the words that are spoken there. Okay. Um. Also, and this doesn't happen in the movie, but I saw on IMDb where M. Night Shyamalan uh, himself, the writer and director of this movie, claims that this is the most grounded superhero movie ever. Could you be more pretentious, my guy? I think it's always, I feel like you have to only say so far whenever you say those things you have to be like this is the most grounded no. superhero movie no, so just far i feel we've made it very grounded don't try to make any claim that it is the whatever so far the most anything 
I feel like it's not, <laughs> and it makes you sound like an asshole. <laughs> I feel like it's just a matter of, um, just like anytime they talk about like the you know hundred most influential movies, or sure. I just feel like you have there's an unspoken so far at the end of oh, that. Oh, sure. There, you can't say ever, or, it. you know, this is the most grounded superhero movie ever. Mm. No. It's the most grounded superhero movie so far. But or if, it's, in my opinion. Well, that, right. You don't pick up a, if you were at a bookstore and you picked up a book and there was a quote on the back of the book from the author of the book that said, this is the best romance novel ever in the history of literature. You would be like, Fuck you, and you would set it down. You wouldn't read it because that's nonsense, and that person's head is up their ass. Also, it's a romance novel, so we know that this is a Any fictional genre. Unit. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right. So, okay, so, well, I just have to say one more thing that I liked about this movie, okay. um, and that was that I really liked um, their the color kind of. Uh, yeah, they did some interesting stuff. almost that they did. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, David is in green. Right. Um, and Shyamalan said that that is because green, you know, green representing life. Um, mm. And then they used orange, um, shades of orange for the beast. Okay. Um, and then they used purple. Purple, of course. Yeah, right? For... Well, um they also have a scene when, like, Joseph is in the comic book shop. Right. And they have a villain villain's Sex, sign in neon. Section, yeah. And it's in purple. In purple. Mm-hmm. Right? And the hero section is in green, green right. neon. Um, so I just thought that was kind of a cool um, color palette, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for, like, orange or... I guess it's, you know, mustard color or whatever, yellowish-orange, was because... Um, Shyamalan uh, associated that with um, like a like a monk's robe or an evangelist or a preacher Uh um, because he is like the members the other personalities are his um, they are his horde they all believe in him they all support his mission they all participate willingly participate Uh in in his ritual murders. Right. right. And so that was why Shyamalan saw him as kind of a an evangelist type villain. So I just and and once I read that, I just thought back to the movie and I thought, yes. And um, Ellie Staple is always in whites or beiges. Right. She, we talked we talked about that while we were watching the movie. Right. Yeah. And then suddenly that made more sense because this is supposed to be like the secret society. They're supposed to be forgettable and you know what what color is, you know like yeah. like neutral tone, you know, that neutral like tone of oh yeah, like well, she was always in beige. Mhm. I just thought that was an interesting fourth color choice. And there's the one scene where the th- they get the three of them together in like a group session. And it's mm-hmm. in a room that's completely pink. Right. It made me think of, and I forget his name, the, the former head coach of the University of Iowa football team was a psychology major and had the visiting locker room painted pink. 
at the University of Iowa. And I forget this rationale, but just that scene made me think of that. That is interesting. Yeah. All right. Kirk Ferentz? I can't remember. That's probably the basketball coach. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, yeah. Um, also, M. Night Shyamalan, quit casting yourself in your movies. <laughs> um, Hitchcock could get away with that. You can't. I think, so, it's best when his when his cameos are are subtle so (laughs) i mean like so i think about um the village right shut up i like that movie of course you did you can only watch that movie once um and then after that like you just can't watch it again because you're like oh of course i already know how it ends and it's so obvious but anyway stop it Anyway, the point is, he's mm-hmm. literally a reflection and has two lines in the movie. That's cool. That's subtle. What's subtle? Right? Versus having to be the author in mm-hmm. Lady in the Water. Right. Or having to be the, um, or in this case, like, you, you don't need to have a whole scene that proves that you were in all three movies right you know <laughs> like okay we right. got that right. everybody knows you're in your movies wink yeah i mean no here's subtle and a movie called lifeboat alfred hitchcock who put who did cameo in every movie he made but this is a movie that is literally about people trying to survive a shipwreck in a lifeboat you know he's not one of the people how am i gonna be in my movie he thought about being a corpse floating in the water mm-hmm. but then thought that people wouldn't recognize him so what he was he was a picture in an ad in a newspaper <laughs> that one of the people in the lifeboat was reading that's subtle that is subtle that's a good idea so- anyway okay i think i think i got it all all out of me that's man that ending's rough anyway Oh my goodness! But no, I, I mean to be, but yeah, the kicking it's getting like uh, overall the Rotten Tomato score isn't fair. It's a much no, better movie than it that. is a better. It's movie a better than movie that. than that for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, also, yeah, just want you to know, mm-hmm. um, it was from the Iowa coach was yeah. Hayden Fry. Hayden, that's for Hayden Fry. That's right. And he read that pink can have a calming effect on a person. Okay. And that's why he painted the rival teams. Locker room. Locker room pink. There you go. Thank you, Google. Oh, also, the woman who played Samuel L. Jackson's mom is younger than Samuel L. Jackson in real life. I know. That just made me laugh. Man. I saw her picture in IMDb, and I was like, wow, they really aged her up. And then I read it, and I was like, ah. Ah, Yeah. I see. So. Okay. All right. So there is Glass, your number one movie in the world, or at least in America, I guess, for 2019. Right. Which not a lot of competition. That it should not be at 36 percent. I'm sorry, 36 percent movies don't get, you know, aren't number one at the box office. It doesn't have a lot of competition at the moment. It doesn't matter. It is not. They don't become number one at the box office. At least not with the sales that they've been grossing. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. And you know it's true. Well, that'll be it for the glass cast. Um, we haven't really settled on what we're going to do next week. 
I thought we were, I thought I was going to watch another horror movie. Oh, if it's showing somewhere still. Are you talking about Escape Room? No. Oh. I was joking when I said I wanted to go see Escape Room. Oh. That what movie doesn't movie look scary at all. So you had me, I sat down and I watched a horror movie with you about a oh, week ago. Oh, yes. And we thought it would be fun to do that. Okay, yeah, let's do that. This is a, a movie called uh, You Might Be the Killer. Yes. A horror comedy, or really a comedy horror. Yeah. Because I don't know that it's really that scary, but it is very funny. It is funny. It is funny. Uh, this movie we watched streaming on Shudder. Uh, so yeah, that would be fun to do. So that was uh, some actors that were surprisingly in it right. that we have know from other things. So yeah, I think we'll that'll be a fun thing to probably do. do that. I think we have um, there are kind of movies that we think we want to see, right? But I'm not sure that there's anything that we're like I want dying. to pay to see. Yeah, to go see in the right. theater at full price. Okay, all right. So we'll plan on doing that, and then if we do something else next week, surprise. Um, but okay, thanks for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Uh, find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, other podcasting apps. You can subscribe and download us at any of those places. Uh, give us a five-star review because we're great. Yes. Uh, if you want to tell us uh, how we're right and or wrong about the ending to Glass, you can uh, shoot us an email to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Or if you have a movie that you would like to recommend us to see, um, or to roast. Uh, <laughs> over the weekend, we started a series, uh, at which point in time we caught ourselves essentially doing a Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm-hmm. where we were uh, roasting and commenting on the movie as we went through it. Uh, and that was the same day that we discovered that one guy who was live tweeting uh, watching oh, aliens. aliens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Please recommend something for us that you think that would be so bad that we would have to do a podcast about it. Yikes. Um, well, we already did Justice League, so you can't do that one. Oh, that um, was mean. I mean, we've never done a Batman v Superman hate cast because that's what that would be. <laughs> for you, I would spend the entire time focusing on the segments with Wonder Woman and oh, be like, sure. Wasn't that awesome? Right. And then we can both get upset. Two and a half movie. Two and a half hour movie. And she's in 20 minutes of it. Right. And then we can both complain about about everything else. uh, Martha. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So shoot us an email. podcasting at gmail.com. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Oh, we we keep forgetting. I always like doing the recommendations thing. We I feel like it. we just did. We're recommending that we, they send that everybody send us, us a movie. Send us in a movie that you think <laughs> is so ridiculously bad that it would be fun for us to podcast about. There you and go. There you go. And uh, <laughs> we'll get this back on the rails next week. Uh, and so until next week, go see a movie. And uh, <laughs> thanks everyone. <laughs>